0: Did I set my fancy baseball lineups? Please hold. I don't know why I'm setting my baseball lineups. I'm out. I'm I'm out of contention. I think I'm just doing it out of courtesy for the rest of the league. There's no way I'm winning.
1: I've like I've like stopped playing. I mean I, I do it like every year, just to draft, and then I just like don't even look at it.
0: Well do a baseball draft then yeah I
1: should. that would probably be better yeah it? i don't That's even know where they even have those
0: draft.com slash absurdity promo code absurdity
1: for baseball too
0: yeah for baseball too oh there's our intro Hello everybody and welcome to episode 41 of the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco and it's an old school recording today. It's just me and Mike, no Evan. He's out gallivanting around. Um, He's on vacation. He's taking a well-earned break. So it's just the old school guys, just me and Mike. Uh, Mike, how's it going today?
1: I'm doing good. Hopefully Evan's having a great time. uh, Other than that, yeah, I think um, everything is... Everything is is good for this Friday.
0: Mm-hmm. He's in the city, which, depending on where in the country you are, that could mean different things. For me and Mike, that's what where Mike.
1: That is probably San Francisco.
0: San Francisco, yeah, he's down in San Francisco where he uh, he lived for a while, and uh, he had his first date with his wife. He sent us a he sent um, sent me a picture um, of him at the place where he had his first date with his wife. So, Evan deserves the break. He was rocking and rolling recently for our draft kits which is now up and ready to go. Uh, We are a podcast through footballabsurdity.com. The draft kit that I mentioned, it is uh, over 400 pages of player profiles, uh, 32 sleepers, 32 breakouts, 32 busts, and a roundup of over 70 rookie uh, fantasy football eligible players that were drafted. Every player that was drafted that was eligible for uh, fantasy football, you can get a little blurb about them in there so you know – what to think of them coming into the season uh seven bucks it helps us support the site it helps us uh pay for the expensive servers we had to get to make sure that uh, beer sheets runs well this year we had to change hosts um seven dollars supports the site you can sign up through patreon uh, and shoot us an and um, actually you'll automatically get shot an email um that uh will get you a copy of the draft kit it'll also unlock the locked portions of the website which is half of those articles that i mentioned before sleepers breakouts busts, half the um rookie roundups and everybody outside the top 10 to 15 at each position for their player profiles on the website so you unlock that seven bucks on patreon and um you can help support the site help Beer sheets run and help everything go. Uh, If you don't want to just give us seven bucks, you can also get the draft kit if you sign up through draft.com promo promo code absurdity. All you have to do is shoot an email, uh, deposit ten bucks with that promo code, shoot us an email to footballabsurdity at gmail.com with your username. We'll send you the draft kit. We're still working on the unlock there because our workaround through Patreon got kind of blocked. Speaking of Patreon, we have uh, two patrons. We have our two first absurdists who are helping us out, keeping the lights on, uh, keeping Beer Sheets running. Yes! The crowd goes wild. If I had a soundboard, which I was trying to figure out today, I could have done, you know, uproarious applause here. So um, these guys, we've decided they're absurdists for Football Absurdity. Our our backers are absurdists. So Alex C., thank you very much for helping us out. And Brooks W., thank you very much for helping us out. If you want to become a patron, you can go to footballabsurdity.com up at the top. There's a button that says dollar sign apport. That's support. Uh, or you could go to patreon.com and go to uh, just search football absurdity and we'll pop up. So uh, speaking of beer sheets, I brought it up a couple times. times. That's kind of our flagship product. That is a fully customizable, automatically updating cheat sheet. You just go in, put your league settings in. We run them about once a week, every 10 days to update the, um, the projections that we have and um, Once they're updated, you just have to go back to the link that uh, filling out the form gives you, and it'll automatically have a new beer sheet there waiting for you with the new um, updates. Kevin, our Beer Sheets guy, is doing a little bit in the background. Uh, Looks like we're going to have a new uh, sheet upload sometime in the next few days. Um, It's August 9th right now. Forgot to mention that. So probably on – he likes to drop them on Monday. So probably on Monday. Um, For Twitter, if you don't want to miss anything about the website, like, for example, our host had emergency uh, – Maintenance, and the site was down for a few hours uh, the other day. So uh, if you don't want to miss anything like that, you can just follow Football Absurdity on Twitter. It's FBallAbsurdity. Um, if you want to follow me screaming and yelling about Damian Williams, uh, you can follow Jeff Crisco, K-R-I-S-K-O. If you want to follow Mike for more well-reasoned things about players, he is R as in R, F as in F, L as in L, and Red Zone as in Red Zone. So, uh, man, Mike, it's it's preseason. Football's here.
1: Yeah, it's always good to to get football going. I don't really care to watch the preseason games, but I will take notes, read about it, and get the sort of inside take on it, just because I could care less about some dude that's not even going to make the team playing three quarters out of the four.
0: Yeah, so anything from the first few, I had some notes down, but anything about the first days worth of games that, that stood out to you?
1: You know, um, no, actually, uh, I mean, we had a lot of injuries, uh, come down, uh, and we'll talk about that, but yeah, nothing really, you know, exciting or, or amazing that that's going on. Uh, Devin just caught a pass. That was good.
0: Good for him. That's good for him. It's good for him. Good for him to buck a trend and actually catch a pass. Um, I had a few notes on some stuff. Kiki Cootie, um, who we love a lot, uh, he looked what looked to be really bad. Did you did you see any clips of his his uh his injury yesterday?
1: Yeah, I did actually see that, and I was like, "Dude is out for the season." Yeah. Uh, um, but it looked
0: like all kinds of CLs were gone: ACL, MCL, yeah. UCL, You know. Yeah, um, it was exactly- UCLA, but uh, <laughs> it turned out to just be his ankle, and it sounds like everything's going to be okay with him. But it, it, that thing looked bad. Um, Another thing, David Montgomery, if you uh, were a David Montgomery truther, nothing should have changed yesterday. Did you see he had a a pretty nice uh, short rushing touchdown all in all? He had three carries, 16 yards. And then he, like Joe Biden, went to 30330 (laughs) with his receptions. Three catches or three targets, zero touchdowns, three catches and 30 yards. So I thought it was kind of funny in the wake of the, uh, the Joe Biden 30330 debacle from the debates that uh, uh uh david montgomery had a line that kind of matched that
1: um yeah, it matched it pretty well yeah I, you know i like montgomery he's he's a plotter though i mean he he's if, if you want anything you could probably just look at derrick henry and match those two guys up uh so we'll see what it actually happens but i like montgomery just i don't think he's his yards per carry average is going to be very high
0: uh, well, I mean, one of the big things about him is that Jordan Howard was like running back, uh, like 19 last year in, in most formats and, uh, he sucks. So, um, <laughs> so it's, it's like, you know, I, I think he'll be given all the opportunity cause I don't, I mean, it's the official stance of the, um, of football absurdity that Mike Davis sucks. So, um, I, uh, I, I believe in, in David Montgomery this year. And I think, yeah, I think uh, Derek Henry's a little, a little, uh, uh, stingy with praise for him. I think he's better than, than, than Derek Henry. Um, well, what he does do better than Derrick Henry is catch the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. He's uh, he he's he's not uh, a jitterbug by any means, but he does catch the ball a lot better than Derrick Henry. That was my main qualm with your Derrick Henry comp. So I'm glad you know how wrong you were. So congratulations. <laughs> uh, so that I mean, yeah, it's preseason week one. Try not to read too much into it. Jacoby and Myers, uh, the new law firm in 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 uh, New New England. Uh, he had sixty nine yards, sixty three yards, something like that on six catches. This is how little I care because it was in the second half. He was playing against future used car salesmen. So congratulations to Jacoby Myers. You will be the best guy in your inramural f- flag football league in three years. Um, on to real news. we had some some guys uh, change teams. We had some guys uh, lose their mind, you know change their relationship with reality. So we'll go through that a little bit. We've got some uh, Texas two-step of running backs. So uh, the Texans cut Deonta Foreman. He ended up as a Colt, and to replace Deonta Foreman, they traded uh, for uh, Browns running back who wanted out, Duke Johnson. But the funniest thing I saw on Twitter was people thinking that now that they they got rid of Deonta Foreman, the Texans were going to go after Melvin Gordon. Like, Deonta Foreman was the only thing stopping them from from going after Melvin Gordon. They're like, oh, man, we've got this guy who popped an Achilles, an injury that literally nobody's ever come back for uh, at running back. But, uh, you know, we can't go go for Melvin Gordon now. But uh, so... Mike, what do you think about uh, the Deonta Foreman uh, getting cut by the Texans, moving on to your uh, Indianapolis uh, prancing ponies?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I like the move, per se. I don't think they're going to expect much out of Foreman. So it, I'm looking at the most. At the most, what he can do for the Colts at this point is maybe short yardage or goal line. Uh, they don't really have that kind of back for them. Um, Marlon Mack, I think, had was was 15th in the NFL for red zone carries, and obviously Mack isn't a goal line kind of bruiser, so if Foreman can at least do that much, then I'll be happy, uh, I, I don't expect him to do anything other than that, so for redraft people, don't even worry about Marlon Mack, it, That that's not really going to be anything damaging, He's he is where he is in, in your redraft, so don't mark him down um, your ADP ranks because Foreman isn't going to change anything.
0: Yeah. My, my thing on it was uh, Spencer Ware hit the, hit the uh, IR for the year a few days beforehand. So I think this was best available running back to them. They're going to take a flyer on him. I think it was, it's just them doing their due diligence. I don't think this changes anything. I mean, it's, I've repeated and repeated and repeated my stance on Deonta Foreman which is um you know no running back has ever come back from his injury and he got cut for basically being a knucklehead and not taking anything seriously and I don't think a guy who gets cut for not taking his recovery seriously is going to be the guy or for taking the team seriously it's going to be the guy who uh, took his recovery seriously enough to to buck the trend so I mean I'm done with Deonta Foreman it 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 helped Lamar Miller slightly and that was immediately undone by the fact that uh, Duke Johnson is now a Texan. So Duke Johnson on on Houston, what a, what say you?
1: I, we- you know, I I like it. I think uh, it will help. Well, you're right. Uh, Lamar Miller is going <laughs> to. At first, I was like all about it. I was like, yeah, that that that's going to help uh, Lamar Miller. But I think it's a give and take because Lamar Miller. Is adequate at catching the ball. I mean, he's he's absolutely no Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson is probably the best, if not one of the best uh, pass catchers in the NFL right now. Uh, and so you're not going to see Lamar Miller on third down. But so that's the negative aspect of it. The the positive aspect is that they they finally have someone in there that that can actually uh, give give a breather to Lamar Miller. So even though Miller is hardly ever hurt. It just him you, without any kind of running back back there at all really i mean they got someone from like the seventh round and they got just uh, players off the street and that kind of thing uh but there's there no one there useful so he was going to carry the rock like 300 times and you yeah, need to have that at his age so it helps that that situation for him
0: yeah and it's also um um you know they didn't go out and get like you said a guy that that that's an actual run the ball between the tackles running back. They got one of the best pass catcher, best ca- pass catching running backs who actually runs like real routes. He's not one of these pass catching running backs that, you know, runs a curl or a Texas or, you know, just these little, you know, diddly little routes, you know, standing there in the flat to catch a football The the Browns in the past have used him to run actual routes, you know, split out wide. So, um, so I think it does just add another dimension to this passing game because to me, I look at the Texans offense, and this is what I see. I see. Are you play video games, Mike? Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with the term glass cannon? No. Okay. So glass cannon is in any sort of game where you um, can decide statistics. So like an RPG or something where you can, you know, set sliders for like attack, defense, speed, power, all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. What, a, what a glass cannon is, is you basically give it all offense and no defense. So this thing's a freaking monster, and it's a cannon, and it can take out anything that, that crosses your path. But as soon as something sneezes at it, it goes down because it has no defense. Right. That's what I see in this offense, except instead of no defense, it's nobody can stay healthy. We already mentioned Kiki QT's already hurt. Uh, Will Fuller is going to go down. Those are their second and third passing options. So they need somebody like a Duke Johnson who can fill in and, and have another passing option because they don't want to be relying on the Bruce Ellingtons of the world like they had to last season. So I think that that because how uh, Duke Johnson, I mean, uh, Will Fuller and Kiki QT are kind of glass cannons. They're They're great when they're on the field, but they're always hurt. Um, I think that Duke Johnson gives them another depth to their, their their receiving game, even though it's at another position. It gives Deshaun Watson another option.
1: Now, where do you have Deshaun Watson in your rankings? He's QB2. Okay, He's, so if he, if he was QB3, would you put him QB2?
0: Would I upgrade him? Yeah. Um.
1: Because of Duke Johnson, or no?
0: I gotta think. I gotta see who my QB three is. Uh, no, because I have Andrew Luck as my QB three. Um, so if Andrew Luck was my QB two, like if that were it came out, I don't. I don't think the addition of Duke Johnson was enough to, to would have been enough to overtake that. Okay. Because the the reason I have Watson over Luck is rushing, and so adding Duke Johnson doesn't uh, um, particularly help uh, uh, Deshaun in the 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 rushing department. Though it could actually hurt him in the rushing department because. i wonder if i need to drop his rushing touchdowns by one and give him another passing touchdown and see what that does i don't think it'll do much but i think that might be uh something that ends up happening now that they have duke to pass it to um so yeah good call i gotta write that down i gotta write that down i gotta look at deshaun watson passing to duke in the red zone the watson all right so um so we did the the texas two-step there um the the running back switching teams um well oh, what is it does this do anything for you for duke leaving cleveland
1: you know i i actually was thinking that um they don't have uh a passing running back that i thought of off the top of my head uh, chubb is adequate uh cream hunt of course can catch the ball but he's not coming back until like week 10 mm-hmm. so that That's gonna change dramatically as far as uh, out of the backfield kind of kind of situation. So I boosted, I boosted up uh, um, Chubb's reception total and also all the three uh, receivers, uh, Beckham and Nujoku mm-hmm. and Landry. Uh, so I think all those get get sort of uh, boost plus plus Cleveland's passing. They're all passing anyways. It's going to be a really heavy passing offense. Oh yeah,
0: yesterday in the preseason game, it was just it was lightning speed too. It was just pass after pass after pass. I think Baker had six passes on the one drive that he played, so uh, it was it was a lot of passing and uh, as it should be. And um, there's Hilliard there, who uh, a name I only know because I was getting again a thing I love to do, getting in arguments with people about. Uh, uh, Carlos Hyde, and I, we were looking at um, his uh, the snap counts in, in what happened before and after Carlos Hyde. Love we'll to get in arguments about Carlos Hyde, um, <laughs> so uh, so that, yeah, that's the only reason I know that name because he got a handful of uh, of snaps last year after they ditched um, the the Browns ditched Carlos Hyde, um. So now to probably the funniest news as to what's going on today. Uh, Antonio Brown. So, Mike, you want to talk a little bit about what you know what's going on with Antonio Brown?
1: I don't even think Antonio Brown knows what's going on with Antonio Brown.
0: Whoo, That's the right answer. (laughs)
1: Uh, so, for those that don't know, Antonio Brown decided that, out of nowhere, he is not going to wear any new helmet that is restricted uh, for his use. In uh, in other words, I guess, what what they do is... uh, these players have particular helmets that they wear and they can only wear it for a certain duration of time and when their name is up to change a helmet then they have to change a helmet well antonio browns name came up this year and he has refused to wear any new helmet according to him it's because of eyesight he can't see out of it very well uh don't know about that i'm kind of i kind of figured that the way these new helmets are, how technologically advanced these these uh, helmets can be, I, I'm i pretty sure they would figure out that anybody could be able to see out of this, but according to Brown, he can't. And so since he can't see out of it, he refuses to wear it. Therefore, he won't be able to be on the field if he's not in a helmet unless they adopt some kind of rugby rule. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with the dude.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's the most recent thing. And actually I was, I was reading about it just before we went on. So what it is, is everybody in the league has to use this new helmet, but it started last season, but unless you'd used it for a certain amount of time, I think it was, you could get grandfathered in the old helmet. So it was like the only big names that used it last year were like Brady Rodgers and and Brown and Brady and Rodgers have switched over, but Brown's getting all fussy about it Um, and uh, went radio silent. And and Mike Silver has this huge thread on it on Twitter about all the things that went down about uh, over the last week. We found out um, Antonio Brown has really messed up feet because uh, I I'm I'm not sure on the order of events, but he had. Uh, pretty bad blisters, and then he had cryotherapy on his feet, but the cryotherapy gave him light frostbite. And so, he uh, I mean, on Hard Knocks, you, you could see him. He was barely able to move. So it's a very weird situation there. And today, this morning, there was reports that he was radio silent for the last 10 days, and the Raiders have no idea what's going on with him. And then you find out it's because of his helmet. And then he says, Adam Schefter reported that he said he may now—he if he can't wear his old helmet, he'll never play again. And he the the funniest part, which I don't know if you saw this detail, was did you see the thing about his using his old sneaking his old helmet on? No. He took his old helmet, which must have been, it had to have been a Steelers helmet. He took his old helmet and he painted it to look like a Raiders helmet, <laughs> but it just looked like garbage and he thought he would trick the coaches into letting him wear his old helmet. Like this is a very serious thing I for him help. and <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him, but it's another one of these things. This I can't think of another year where more top-flight talents have so many question marks for such stupid things. You've got two holdouts... You've got Todd Nerly, Todd Gurley's weird knee situation. Now you've got Antonio Brown rapidly disconnecting from reality. And even if he does report tomorrow with it, with his new helmet, who knows when he's going to play because of his stupid cryotherapy feat. So it's like these four players, are they could make or break your league. You know, if one guy balls out and goes those three guys around – or those four guys around two through four and or two, two through five and win your league because they – all perform like they should or they he the guy could end up in last place because he burned his second third fourth and fifth round picks on guys that couldn't play all year so it's just absolutely crazy to me that that four guys who were they were all first rounders last year weren't they brown yep girly gordon and zeke yeah we're all first rounders last year now you've got two holdouts you've got uh problems from head to toe literally head and toe <laughs> um and you've got um this knee thing with girly that we have no idea what's going on so i can't think of another year where we've had this much top flight talent with so many question marks like usually it's like one guy a year that that garners all the uh the questions and attention but now now we don't even know where to look because it's four four different guys that are fitting that bill
1: well i can tell you in 25 plus years that i've been doing this this has never happened never. yeah this is I,
0: this is this is wild okay um yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I haven't been doing it for twenty five plus years. So <laughs> All right, moving on from uh one guy who uh can't keep his uh his feet in one piece to a backfield that can't stay in one piece. How about that for a transition, Mike? Yeah. Uh Andy Reid today, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, said that the the backfield there is probably gonna look like a committee. Um, Damian Williams has been a second-round pick in a lot of a lot of uh, sites, third-round pick at worst on on the rest of them, and uh, I've been kind of uh, pounding my fists and screaming from the rooftops that he isn't worth it. Um, and now we have this from Andy Reid, which you'll say that his uh, Damian Williams truthers will say it's coach speak, but guess what? They were all about the coach speak last week when uh, there was some weird quote from uh, Andy Reid that said that Damian Williams is their running back one. Now he's got to go out there and earn his keep with it, um, which people took as it being, hey, he's a locked and loaded running back one. Um, but now this this thing is uh, coach speak that uh, I guess you can believe if, or you can't believe if you're Damian Williams-Truther. I don't know. What's your take on it? Because I could talk literally for the rest of the podcast about this situation.
1: I, you know, I, it's just hard for me to believe that Damian Williams is a workout horseback. He has some talent. He's not. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he can do both. He can run the ball and he can catch the ball. So, you know, that that sort of in the very basic definition gives him uh, a work workhorse or bell cow kind of, you know, stipulation. But for reals, the the dude just isn't good enough to uh, fulfill that definition in a robust way. So with that said, then I believe more in Andy Reid saying, okay, well, we have Carlos Hyde and we have Damian Williams. What we could do here is give Carlos Hyde, uh, you know, first and second down carries and give Damian Williams and throw him the ball. So why why not do our BVC? The the issue, too, though, is I I honestly don't even don't I can't remember even going back to Philadelphia where where Andy Reid was uh, you know using a running back by committee, so that that's the kind of thing I'd have to look into it, but that's the, that's the only thing that kind of off the top of my head is is questionable.
0: So here's the thing with with uh, Andy Reid and the running back by committee thing. Uh, people say, oh, he loves to have a bell cow bath back. Well, okay, so, so he the the FF statistics database goes back to two thousand. Again, Mike, my apologies. <laughs> Goes back to 2000, and, and it, what it does there is it. One of the things you can do under the the coach history is uh, you can see who their running back one was each year and who got the most uh, carries for them, and you can see the number of carries and all that stuff. For 16 of 19 Andy's Andy of Andy Reid's seasons, he's had Lashawn McCoy, Brian Westbrook, Jamal Charles, or Kareem Hunt. So, Mike, if you can tell me which one of those guys should have been a running back by, you know, been in a running back by committee, I'm more than happy to listen. But I think that drives a lot of the uh, Andy Reid loves uh, to use one back and needs a bell cow thing. It's because he's had four running backs that were all easily within, what, the top 10 at their position? Easily top five, arguably. Oh, yeah. They're all first
1: round picks. uh, Yeah, exactly. For a time, sure.
0: Yeah. And so he had no reason to take him off the field. What I looked at yesterday was um, what happened when it. Okay. So after Jamal Charles got hurt, you know, he went out for the season and before Kareem Hunt uh, popped up in 2017. So we're looking at 2015 to 2000 and 2016 with Hunt and. Uh, not Hunt, I'm sorry. Char West, almost called him Charmander West, and um, Spencer Ware. And they're. If you take out the games with injuries, okay, one one of those two backs had um, at least 70% of their care, their touches between them in eight games. Um, or in nine games. And that was uh, Spencer Ware when he emerged as the better back. Tarkandrick West had four games where he had 70% of the touches. In eight of the games, eight of the, I believe, uh, uh, 21 or 22 games, they neither back had more than 70% of the touches between them. So I would call that a true split backfield. You know, less than a 70/30 split between two guys, I would call that a split backfield or a running back by committee. Um so I uh uh that that's kind of my take on it is that um they probably will go running running back by committee because when Andy Reid doesn't have a, a top flight talent, that's what Andy Reid does. And that's what Andy Reid did last year. He went Spencer Ware and, and Damian Williams until Spencer Ware got hurt. So it's like, that's the, that's the track record. And Damian Williams is hurt right now. He's not a talent that's, that exceeds, you know, he's not in that, no offense to Damian Williams. He's not in that Brian Westbrook, uh, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Charles, or Shady McCoy, uh, tier of player. So, um, so that's my take on the situation and what they're saying today um is uh is definitely uh reaffirming my uh my feelings about Damian Williams.
1: Yeah, and, and I that makes total sense to me as well. So, I mean, what what why even try to to put Damian Williams as a uh, you know someone that can carry the rock when he he really can't. He's he's much more better at uh catching the ball so give give Hyde the ball uh probably what a couple notches above Damian Williams carrying the ball I mean Hyde's not all that great either but um yeah and then so you're gonna definitely dump Damian Williams he's gonna fall big time
0: Yeah, but I mean, you don't have to be a a, a next level talent to be better than Damian Williams, and that's kind of been the crux of my argument all year. So Damian Williams isn't necessarily that good of a running back. He had all these great, he had this great production last year um, in an in an offense that anybody would have great production. I saw a statistic today that he faced zero stacked boxes. I think you brought that up before too, or maybe it was Evan. He faced zero stacked boxes last year. So you have you're running against seven-man fronts at at worst every single play. So, of course, you're going to have great success for that. And I found today, I was looking at some stuff. Carlos Hyde had the fifth most um, uh, rushes with eight or more defenders in the box, the the fifth highest percentage, him and Leonard Fournette, which both have Blake Bortles in common. Um, So my whole thing, people think that I'm a big Carlos Hyde truther because I like to argue about Damian Williams. It's that you're – anointing Damian williams as the running back one when he's that nothing he's done before three games in an all-time offense shows that he has the skill set to be a running back one you know a fantasy football running back one i mean so it's just um you know like like we said before, if you rewind this to one year ago today and told people that there would be an argument about Carlos Hyde versus Damian Williams, they'd think that we were crazy, or you know that that uh, you know Carlos Hyde lost a leg or something, because <laughs> that was kind of the only uh, uh, way that they would have any sort of um, competition because they came out in the same draft. Hyde went in the second or third, and and Williams was undrafted, so. Since the beginning, it's it's been Hyde far better than Damian Williams. But Williams gets three good games, and all of a sudden, he's supposedly the much better player. So that's my take on it. And can you tell that I've been arguing with Damian Williams fans pretty much every single day?
1: Yeah. Well, I was I was in the middle of one. Uh, so yeah, I definitely know that it's it's been a, a routine thing thing for you.
0: Yesterday, a guy I posted something about Damian Williams, a guy who doesn't follow me. We have no real mutuals. He's, he he named searched Damian Williams to come yell at me. So he saw on Twitter he searched Damian Williams, found my tweet, and came and yelled at me. So he can have uh, I don't know. He called me dumb because I don't think Damian Williams is a slam dunk uh, second round pick. But hey, you know what? It is what it is. And and when I'm right, um, I will have lots of uh, lots of people on my my list to go yell at.
1: And, and you know I don't even understand how someone could take a stance on that like like a confirmative stance because as you brought up the the dude hasn't done anything there there's no sample size to say well he's he's definitely a second round pick there's no sample size to say he's going to be a eighth you know it should be eighth there's no sample size to say he's he's going to be a number 1 next year you know what i'm saying so yeah. uh to take a stand on anything damian williams is foolish in my opinion
0: well yeah you're standing you're 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 putting your weight behind a guy who has 183 career carries in five seasons so it's like what what what, what are we doing here another piece of news another browns news antonio callaway who's uh whose talent is only exceeded by his lack of uh of uh decision making uh he's Eating a four-game suspension um, for substances abuse. Uh, this guy had all the red flags in college. He missed time for credit card fraud, marijuana stuff. There was some other uh, uh, things that went down that I don't really feel like covering again on this podcast. But um, he's very talented, but uh, he's eating a four-game suspension already. It doesn't really bode well um, with a franchise that you know watched Josh Gordon go through the same thing for years.
1: Yep, and. It's same, same. I don't. Same kind of player. Uh, different issues. Just s- someone lost in his head. And you know, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't draft him, no matter what. I'd totally stay away from him. He's even though he has this great talent and in this offense that could probably carry three three wide receivers. Uh, you, you just can't can't trust someone like this.
0: Yeah, the big beneficiary is supposed to be Richard Higgins, which it doesn't necessarily put me on his radar. Um I mean Jarvis would
1: nah, stay away from him too.
0: Yeah, Jarvis Landry might get more targets, but we talked last week about how Jarvis Landry isn't that great. Uh from a talent point of view. So, um, you know, Jarvis Landry might reach his uh his draft price now. You know, he might return that draft price. Um, but uh, you know, lose a uh lose a um Antonio Callaway gained a Duke Johnson, or lose a Duke Johnson, too. Sorry, they lost them both. I, my brain went away from me a little bit there. But, yeah, down two pass catchers, but I still don't think uh, Jarvis Landry is really going to do a whole lot, um, This which kind of says everything you need to know about Jarvis Landry, except maybe outside of a PPR league as a, a, a bye week guy. So so that's the, uh, the news and notes. Mike, anything else, any news, any notes you want to talk about?
1: Uh the only thing I kind of want to touch on uh is what what what, what are we doing with uh, Ezekiel Elliott?
0: Well, you told me last week not to worry about it.
1: I did. And then yeah. we're we're here a week later and nothing's going on. Um I I'm, I'm starting getting that that nervous twitch. Uh wait, I mean, I don't think there's still anything to worry about, but I I I am getting a nervous twitch. What, what what's your thoughts?
0: Um, I mean, Jerry Jones. And since we last talked, said he's going to get Zeke paid. Zeke will get paid. He has no, he has two options. He either shows up and doesn't get fined his paychecks, or he gets fined his paychecks. So they have a, an offer out to him, supposedly that's supposedly to um, generous. Um, but at this point, he has no leverage. He's got to show up, and 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 so I'm I'm not worried yet. Um, I, um, I, I just think that he's going to get paid. That's been my position that Z, both Zeke and Gordon are going to be there week one. So, uh, okay. yeah, and, and it's different. If you go back to last year, I said the opposite with Lev Bell. I said, I was worried about it. Lev Bell was a free agent. He wasn't under contract. He just hadn't signed his tender. So he could do whatever he wanted without getting fined. But Gordon and Zeke are going to, are going to eat some fines if they don't, um, they don't show up to, uh, to play. So that's kind of my take on it.
1: Okay. Yeah. That, that's, yeah that's sensible. I especially with I, I even LA even has less leverage than Gordon because the he's not even he's not even a free agent. I, I think Gordon's a free agent.
0: No, Gordon's gonna be a free agent next year. Um Zeke is gonna be a free agent in two years. Is that what you meant?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, I thought you meant like uh like a Lev Bell situation again. So Alright, so that's news and notes. Uh, Before we get started on Pick Your Poison, I need all fantasy football fans in the audience to listen up, which if you're not a fantasy football fan and you're listening to this, probably a member of one of our families. So thanks for listening. But fantasy football fans, we need you to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do because you're listening to me and Mike Jabber about it, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. $3.5 million given out to the winners of this tournament. Million dollars goes to first place. Uh, That's real money. It's not credits to the side or anything. This is how it works if you've never played best ball. What it is is you draft. You do the same snake draft that you do in all your home leagues. Patiently wait for your turn, get upset, and slam the table when uh, the guy goes before you. Um, Get auto-drafted and uh, end up taking a 25th running back when you actually needed a third wide receiver. Stuff like that. You know all the fun of a a snake draft. Uh, You do that. You can do it on your your computer, on the mobile app, which I use, which is great. It's very convenient because everybody has their phone on them at all times. It sends you a push notification when it's your turn to draft. So you can just tap it, load it up, do your draft, move on. You get a little uh, fantasy football sprinkled in throughout your day. So uh, what you do is uh, after you're done drafting your team, that's it. That's all, all you have to do. There's no trades, no waiver wire to deal with, and you don't even have to set your lineups. Your best players... Get automatically started, and you'll get the best possible score. Your team could score every week, guaranteed. That's how best ball works. So if you got – let's throw a guy out there unlikely to bust because he's doing great, Uh, like Antonio Brown. (laughs) Say you draft draft Antonio Brown, and Antonio Brown doesn't show up for the first three games because his feet are frozen. You don't have to worry about making sure that Antonio Brown's out of your lineup. Or if you have Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is the perfect example because – His knee, it sounds like they may may give him some games with four carries, some games with 17 carries, some games with two carries. You don't have to worry about that. On Todd Gurley's good games, Todd Gurley's in your lineup. On Todd Gurley's bad games, Todd Gurley's not in your lineup, unless your team is really bad. So all you do is uh, uh, it's no salary caps, play like a real-life snake draft. And um, if you want to do this, if this sounds interesting to you, there's no better place to play, and you can draft right now. Load it up, you can be playing in 20 minutes. Leagues start every couple of minutes. Um, I started one last week waiting for a prescription to be filled at CVS, so it's that easy, it's that quick. For the $3.5 million contest, this is what you have to do. You go and you enter, you draft, and you're a millionaire 16 weeks later. That's it, that's all you have to do. So you can join me on Draft today. I Like I said, I use it, I love it. All you can do is download the app at any time in the Android store, the, the Apple Music store. And then what you're going to want to do to get a free $3 uh, entry is let them know that we sent you. Uh, it's promo code ABSURDITY, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y. You put that in, you deposit 10 bucks at the minimum, and uh, it helps us out. You get $13 um, worth of play. And um, like I mentioned earlier, email us, let us know that happened, you'll get a draft kit for free. So through the $3 token, through the $7 draft kit, you're getting $10 worth of value and you still get the $10 to play with on draft. So it's a win, win, win. Um, So just a reminder, that's draft.com promo code absurdity um, to get uh, $3 free uh, with a $10 deposit, a $3 token, and a free copy of our draft kit. So again, just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com and play with us for free with promo code absurdity mike this week we're talking about tight ends we've talked about if you want to check out wide receivers running backs quarterbacks check out the three previous episodes um so this week's pick your poison is going to have to do with with uh old man tight ends i called them there's four guys that are kind of going into the same range um uh sort of at the back end of your, your your drafts, kind of tight end 13 through 18, depending on where you're drafting and what the the ranks say there. And uh, just wanted to see where you, what you're thinking on these guys on old man tight ends. So we've got Delaney Walker in Tennessee, who's back and healthy. Jimmy Graham in Green Bay. Jordan Reed in Washington, who's healthy for now. And Greg Olson, who's supposedly healthy. So there's a trend as to why these guys are, are kind of slipping in drafts. So who are these guys? Let's just assume... It's uh your last pick before your kickers and defense. They're all there. Who are you going to draft?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely Delaney Walker by far. Uh, I I it's almost it's almost so
0: easy I can do it blindfolded. Do you have a touchscreen computer? How would you draft him blindfolded? How would you? Or do or do you use the uh, the speech to text? You're like you're like in Star Trek. Computer, draft Delaney Walker. Yeah, Cortana. <laughs> Cortana, okay. draft delaney walker uh so yeah i i mean who would be second in that in that group graham why don't you order them for me we're gonna switch up pick your poison why don't you stick them in order for me
1: okay so in order i would have of course walker first uh, reed olsen graham
0: reed olsen graham so um the only quibble I have with that is what have you putting uh, Olsen over Graham with uh, o- Greg Olsen's uh, foot issues? He's only played uh, half the games over the last two seasons.
1: Yeah, obviously that's a, that is a concern. Uh, Ian Thomas is is a concern too, uh, his backup tight end, because if Ian Thomas can show that he can surpass Greg Olsen, they're definitely going to relax with Olsen and being his target but uh you know yeah he's hurt yeah he's old but Jimmy Graham hasn't done anything in like I don't know how many years uh and I really don't see him doing much now I mean he didn't do anything in Green Bay last year and why would he do anything in Green Bay this year
0: well um Last year, he had an inordinate number of uh, red zone targets for the number of touchdowns he had, so that's why I think that uh, Jimmy Graham could have a comeback year. Also, because uh, last year was kind of a mulligan for the, the Packers because Aaron Rodgers apparently played with a broken knee all season. So that's why I kind of give true. Jimmy Jimmy Graham a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Not because I think Jimmy Graham's particularly good, um, but it's because his one ta- ta- talent that he's left with right now, because he's old, old and busted, I'll give you that, um, for a tight end. He could still kick my rear end up and down the block at most things. But um, the one thing he's still good at is being big and, and knowing when to high point the ball and being bigger than everybody around him, which is exactly yeah. the type of thing you need for a touchdown dependent tight end. That's why I was big in on him a couple of years ago was because I saw him being that in, in Seattle. And now in Green Bay, I, he can hopefully do that again with an, an Aaron Rodgers resurgence now that he's um, he's He's recovered from the injury. Also, because of what I said about Greg Olson. It's not necessarily how much I like uh, Jimmy Graham. It's how much i my my hot take. This is my my hot take is. Uh, Greg Olson has less than five full games left in him in his career and Ian Thomas is going to take over partway through and he's going to be everybody's hot waiver wire pickup in week six or whatever Um, so that's that's my hot take that's why I kind of kind of don't believe in Greg Olson but I have Delaney Walker at top I mean he's a top four top five tight end every single year he's been with Tennessee except for last year obviously because he got hurt in the first game. Um, and then Jordan Reed is kind of—he's uh, another one of those glass cannon guys that I was talking about, where he's good when he plays, but he never plays because he's always getting hurt. So it's one of those uh, with with tight ends, and we'll get into it with strategy. Kind of leaning towards, you know, maybe take Jordan Reed and and and, and play him while, before he gets hurt, and when he gets hurt, uh, that's when you ditch him for somebody else. So it's kind of how I feel about it.
1: You know, also I think that uh, with with Jimmy Graham. They have rookie uh Jay Stenberger there. And Sternberger uh could definitely uh make some room. Obviously his tight end, he's not worth anything in redraft, but I can definitely see them trying to work him in doing uh some red zone and, and take that away from, from Graham as well.
0: I mean it's possible. I just don't I just don't see that as probable. Maybe because I discount rookie tight ends kind of more than 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 most people do so that's that's probably why like i said i can see it as possible but not probable so um so yeah now that we've gotten pick your poison out of the way it's time to talk mike's favorite position do you know how many times mike texted me this week saying buddy i am so excited to talk tight end there's position there's a position that i love to talk it's tight end because it is so good up and down the board. Just so many options to talk about. <laughs> no, Mike got, Mike got mildly upset that Evan wasn't going to be on the podcast this week because he had to talk more about tight ends.
1: Tight ends. Uh, but, you know. And you know what? I'm, I'm probably, you know how we all sort of have our positions that we are good at, at picking. I have always uh-huh. been pretty dang good at picking a tight end. And uh i and i still hate them so i showed you pretty much how much i dislike that position in fantasy football
0: yeah i'm trying to think what position that i'm probably best at drafting i'd probably say tight end um probably tied with quarterback and wide receiver and running back i think You're i'm going yeah i think i good at kicker and dST i'm a little i'm a little rough on but i think i do a pretty good job at all the positions <laughs> but but yeah um tight ends um Evan Evan kind of coined the statement and i coined the, the term uh he said tight ends are meh they're just bleh. they suck and and it's it's my my thing for it is all all tight ends are meh which is a team so um that's that's something i kind of thought up so it, it's it's a team that's what i think about for tight ends all tight ends are meh i mean you have your three guys at the top you have a couple guys um maybe a few guys now uh ingram and um howard and njoku with the opportunity that um Losing two pass catchers presents for him. You have those guys in the middle, and then you kind of have Eric Ebron, Jared Cook, and then you just have this whole just mess, just this sludge of tight ends after that. That you know, um, throw Hunter Henry up with um, uh, David Njoku, and them. I forgot about Hunter Henry. Um, so, uh, so that's kind of how I see it. Uh, how do you see tight ends playing out this year, and what's your strategy with them?
1: You know. Uh... Before we get to that, yeah, there are also n- nothing's really fun about them as well. I mean, uh, there's no more Gronk spike, so because he's retired, so that 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 was always fun to watch how, how far that ball was gonna fly into the air. Uh, before Gronk was Tony Gonzalez and his dunking um, of of the ball in the goalpost,
0: which is illegal now in the no fun we- league
1: exactly and so they're a tight in travis kelsey it's on you man you, you need to figure out something to, to keep this position alive because
0: dude he's a dancer he dances so much he like I, hits the quan he does all kinds of stuff
1: well no, no, i need something with with the football I, with the football do something with the football dance with the football do something um so all right. outside of that uh let's Right, top five, do you what which, which, which direction should I take this top five start at five or top no, just five? just
0: talk to me about your general tight end strategy oh, when that's... you're go- you're sitting down to do a draft. what are you, what what's your plan for your tight end?
1: okay, so and I'm gonna incorporate this in, in sort of my home league too with you so here here's the scenario, okay, so, uh, it, for those that, that missed the show or whatever, you guys can go back and listen to it. But I'm in a home league, and we do lottery style for each round. And basically, lottery style means you don't know where you're going to pick because it's picked out of a hat. So each round, you're can can you can, you going to be picking at different positions. It's not constrictive like a snake draft. So uh, this year, I have the seventh pick in the first round and the 11th pick in the second round.
0: Oh, so you know it ahead of time. It's not that each. Ra- I thought you guys would like draft around and then pull names out of a hat and then draft around. That's no. what I thought it was. That, I, that seemed crazy to me. I was like, man, you, you got to really be on your toes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Our, our, our attention span is, is bad enough. Uh, (laughs) If we had that, it would be chaos. It would be total chaos. Uh, So yeah, that, that, no, it's all pre predetermined uh, prior, about a month prior to, to draft time. Uh, So I got the seventh and 11th pick and right now on my team, uh, for keepers, I have Juju Smith-Schuster and Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck mm-hmm. I have with the third pick or, or with the third round. So I have no third round. Uh, my, okay. my question is right now with the 7th and 11th, uh, do I go wide receiver and match up like say a top, top flight wide receiver with Juju Smith-Schuster and take a tight end at 11 and have no running back until probably the fourth round? Or do I grab, say, David Johnson if he's still available at seven at the seventh pick and grab a tight end in the second round? Uh, or do I do running back, running back I guess what I'm trying to say is do i should I grab a tight end in the second round? Uh, also, george Kittle's off the board he's he's been kept. so I have. Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz. I'm sure either one of those guys are going to be there at 11. What, what do you do?
0: I would pro- I would go running back. I I think you're kind of setting your team up hard to to with with keepers if you don't and and one of your keepers isn't a running back. I think that that running back talent pool is going to dry up pretty quick. So I would go running back there, not tight end if it were me. The I I think
1: there there's quite a few as far as running backs uh in the fourth round. I could go no running backs, uh, do the running, no running back theory, uh, because there's nobody other outside than Darius Geis, who I don't even think so is, you know. Uh, so uh, everybody else is, is going to be gone off the board before I even get to seven.
0: All the other running backs, you think? Who's av- who's available? I mean, that's that's – that kind of is the big question. Is is it depend? I don't know who's being kept. So so so
1: basically, anybody that's in the ADP of a second round is available in the second round. A- anybody in the fourth round ADP is available in the fourth round. So like Connor, Connor's gone. McCaffrey's gone, uh, and everybody else is basically available.
0: Um, I mean. Without seeing the list, I'm not sure. I I would go running back. It wouldn't even be a question to me. No not, even, not A tight end wouldn't even enter my mind. Because it sounds like it's really playing out like a regular draft. And so if it's playing out like a regular draft and, you know, second round guys are available and all that stuff, I'm not going to reach for a tight end. If we're talking uh, a dynasty league and I need a tight end, that's a different story. But you're only keeping a couple guys. I wouldn't I wouldn't reach for a tight end at all. I would go running back in the first round. Um I would not be going for Kittle um in the first round. No. no I mean, I'm not not Kittle not
1: Kittle Kelsey. No, but I mean in the second round. If Kelsey's available at to me at the 11th pick, do I go Kelsey? Uh,
0: I I wouldn't. I, I well at the at 211 I would. At 211 I would, but I don't think he's going to be there. Well if the talent that you say is off the board is off the board, I mean at least Juju smith schuster should be going ahead of him. I'm guessing a handful of other guys that should be going ahead of him are going to be gone um i don't think kelsey makes it to 211 so um i would take it if i were you if <laughs> he's about, there what yeah about
1: Ertz. would you take Ertz at 211
0: no Ertz isn't my second tight end this year so i would not take him at 211 okay okay yeah. er, Ertz, there's there's too many too many uh so much of his value is tied up in in uh his in um inordinate amount of targets. That he's, is, I mean, it's splitting hairs at the top, but I see him kind of being behind Travis Kelsey this year. So, um, just a uh, just just kind of my overall opinion about tight ends.
1: Okay, that works. Uh, that's pretty much my idea. I'm thinking if, if Kelsey's there, and like you said, he's probably not going to be, but if he is there, then I'm probably going to have to pull the trigger um, at two eleven.
0: Yeah. If if Kelsey's there, that's a no-brainer. That's like asking if, if you know if Zeke or if. Uh, uh alvin kamar is there at nine should you take him like yeah it's an it's a no-brainer so overall overall you're sitting down for your draft outside of your home league overall what is your tight end strategy
1: my my pretty much my strategy is if if all the all the tight ends are available you try to get one or two either Kittle or kelsey in the in the first round if uh You're not not Kittle in the first round. I'm sorry, in the second round, Um, depending on where you're at, if you're at 12 or something to that effect, uh, then you might think you might consider uh, Kelsey. But like, as you were mentioning, um, he's the only only tight end in a 12 team league or in a 10 team league that is worth a first round choice. The other other than that, you could wait. For like like quarterbacks. They're, they're pretty much like quarterbacks. You can you can wait for whoever you want. Uh, I, I think that Delaney Walker is probably the best buy out there for someone that you're gonna get way cheap. He's gonna outproduce uh wherever you're gonna get him. So look at his quarterbacks and pick the right price one that you feel is the best bargain for you.
0: Okay, so um I guess uh, outside of so outside of the like uh, 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 you know 12 and below guys like the old guys we talked about who among the like middle tier tight ends would be your favorite this year we'll call it um, outside of Kittle Elsie Kelsey Ertz um, Evan Ingram OJ Howard and Hunter Henry other than those guys. And other than the old guys, who's your favorite in the middle there? Like your Jared Cooks, your Eric Ebron's, um, your Vance McDonald's. Uh, those kind of like like you know kind of round nine to eleven tight ends. Like what, the, one of those middle guys. Which one might be your favorite?
1: So uh, it, it's I I'm um it's, I'm sorry. Did you say Henry Henry is available or gone? Gone. Okay. Um then I'm definitely going to either look at uh, maybe ha- Austin Hooper or Jared Cook. Those are going to be my two guys. David Nojoku definitely going to be in there as well. But, I, you know, I with Nojoku, you're not going to get a lot of touchdowns out of him. You're, you're looking at probably like four touchdowns. But he's going to catch a lot of passes. So 60, maybe 60 receptions. Um, but someone like Jared Cook, I expect – With that Saints to finally for them to finally get a tight end worthy, uh, but Cook is another player that has never worked anywhere except for Oakland for for last year. So is he going to work in New Orleans? We we really don't know. Yeah, he has Drew Brees, but Drew Brees is starting to fall apart uh, now. Anyway, it's dude's old. So is is I mean it's really a toss up. So uh, I I would probably go with I'd go with Nijoku
0: njoku okay out of those guys out of like cook uh, mcdonald ebron uh njoku hooper um i, n- I know how it's going to work out for jared cook in new orleans it's not we've played this game before we've played this game uh, tight i uh, tight ends who aren't named jimmy graham have gotten less than four targets per game from sean payton so i mean we have played this game with with kobe fleener we have played this game with ben watson uh we played this game with um one more guy whose name's completely escaping me Josh Hill we played this game we've played the the New Orleans Saints tight end game and it's a game that I'm not really willing to play Jared Cook has like you said one good year in Oakland where he was the only receiving threat in town so it's like I'm not gonna invest in that at all and I'm I'm not really investing in any of these mid-round tight ends because my strategy is I'm gonna wait if unless Kelsey Kittle Ertz fall to you know Kelsey to like the two, ele- you know, middle of the second or whatever, or Kittle to the, the middle third or Ertz to the middle third, then I'm, then I'll look at them, but I'm not reaching for one of these guys. Um, Howard and Angra maybe if they slip to like round eight, Henry, I'm just, uh, I can see the upside there. I'm just, I don't know. I, something about it just, just bugs me a little bit, but I, I can't really put my name on it because I, I I'm not sure, quite sure what it is. Then you get into Cook, McDonald, Ebron, Njoku, and it's just kind of, you know, I may get Eric Ebron for, for nostalgia's sake, but I think uh, he can have a significant downside with uh, with uh, uh, touchdowns this year. So unless one of those guys falls really far, I'm looking at this Hooper, Mark Andrews, Delaney Walker um, sort, of, sort of tier and then backing it up with an upside guy. So I w- might end up with two tight ends like a Jordan Reed, or a Dallas or one of those three guys and a Jordan Reed or a Dallas Goddard or a Mike Assicki, an upside player, a deep sleep like uh Darren Waller, who without Antonio Brown should add some uh, should uh wake up a little bit his sleeper status. So that's kind of my strategy with them is um that they're not a priority position for me. Like um like we talked about with quarterbacks wasn't really a priority position. Neither's uh neither's tight end for me.
1: Yeah, uh I, I you probably can get Waller and he'll probably if not, uh, be the best buy you get all year. Um, probably one of the, one of the closest, just because you can walk up at the, your last pick of the draft and write his name down, and he'll produce pretty much anywhere. Uh, at least I I, I imagine at, uh, top fifteen, um, somewhere around there, if not better.
0: Yeah. So he's he's um, I he's he's I his average draft position doesn't make a lot of sense to me because he's behind like Cameron Brate and Tyler Eifert guys who are, I mean, Eifert can't say healthy much respect to you, Mike. And, and I know what your take is going to be on Tyler Eifert, but Cam Brate doesn't really make a lot of sense at all. Cause he's a, he's a handcuffed player essentially. And he's going behind Chris Herndon, who's not going to play for 25% of the season. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me for his ADP or his uh, expert consensus rank to be that low. So, um i'm kind of with you there on the strategy so mike we're gonna switch over to talking sleeper bust and top five now that we've gotten strategy out of the way so um we've had some back and forths about uh who i think your sleeper is going to be so who's your sleeper tight end for this year
1: well outside of uh, there, there's a couple i like uh obviously i, I like tyler eifert uh, i think the cincinnati is going to not involve him as much which Is probably everybody's, well, if he's not getting the volume, then how good he is. Well, the difference between him not being involved in the offense and blocking and doing all that kind of stuff is that that's going to translate to him being uh, healthier. He's not going to have to do as much as he used to do before, which is going to keep him healthier. So we all know what kind of athlete he is. We all know he can catch the ball. Uh, So I like Eifert mm, as, as a sleeper. I also like, as we just talked about Darren Waller who right now is my 24th tight end which will probably climb uh here into the 20s I, I'm pretty sure uh and then you have a couple of the rookies TJ Hawkinson and Noah Font so I think those are the only two rookies you can uh, say okay what rookies if any of them can make a difference uh either one of those guys should be a tight end too where the uh, kind of player uh, if you want a rookie on on your team
0: that's a good uh, that's a good uh, flex point for us to talk there i don't want a rookie tight end on my team full stop and end of end of sentence end of statement Noah fant tj hawkinson are completely off my draft boards um you've got four tight ends that have been in the top four in ppr um since 2000 four rookie tight ends it was uh, gronk It was Evan Ingram. It was Jeremy Shockey, and it was some other guy who I don't remember, whose name is escaping me right now. That's it. That's your entire list. So, I am not ever, ever, ever drafting a rookie tight end. You will not catch me ever doing that. Um, It sounds like that that doesn't really um, like sounds like you might give one a benefit of the doubt because like Hawkinson and and Fant are much better than the tight ends that came out last year, for example. But um, I I think it just has more to do with the position because um, you're kind of learning blocking in the NFL and receiving in the NFL, so it takes a little bit of time. So I'm not going to be drafting any of these guys. I might pick them up in the second half because they tend to get better in the second half. But first half of the season, I'm 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 out there. I'm I'm not drafting them. So um, is that generally your strategy? That's being overtaken by the talent level of Fanton Hawkinson, or or will you look at rookie tight ends a little bit more?
1: I I don't look at rookie tight ends at all uh i this year is a little different uh, these two guys are pretty special they're good blockers uh, and they're good receivers so uh, they don't have that much of a learning curve as you mentioning, where 99.9 percent of the tight ends coming into this league need need uh time to develop uh, to develop their blocking and receiving uh, routes and those kind of things, but these guys really don't. They're pretty, pretty polished. Uh, so, you know, p- peer upside, uh, and you, you know, and nothing really to lose with a tight end too. And if you're like excited to get a rookie, you know, those those kind of things will, will come into play. But yeah, every year, um I'm not looking at a tight end to be put on my list. I just think this year is kind of that Saquon Barkley kind of aspect not to say he's saquon barkley but as much excitement as we had for his running back being in the first round without even knowing this dude barkley last year is sort of that transpondence towards the tight end that these guys for the tight end rookie position are sort of that special
0: well i mean my take on it is is if you go back i forget how many years i went back but um i think it was the last 10 years the if you take the best rookie tight end season every year their their end of season stats the one that scored the most fantasy points one it was never the guys you thought because it was the guys getting the fluky touchdowns and two it would have been tight end i think 16 last year 16 or 17 depending on format so even if they do have even if they are the best rookies i mean you're kind of getting them at cost i feel like and you're looking at a back end tight end one um just because of them being sort of the new hotness. That's kind of how I feel. Um, Cause y- you can, I mean, blocking, yes, they can block in, they could have blocked in college, but it's all, everybody says that it's the, you know, the hardest transition outside of quarterback is, is, is knowing your blocking assignments. They say it's for the offensive line, but it applies to the tight ends too. They got to learn this stuff. So that's why I see it, it kind of the beginning of the year, not, not a great call to go after him, but late in the year, um, they could develop into that, like Ian Thomas did last year.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I he, if I'm what I'm just saying is I would not put them um, as you know a mandatory pick. I would I would definitely like them better off the waiver wire, but just personal preference. Um, if if you are like one of those that like to have a fresh face and has a lot of upside you know, your last pick of the draft, uh, these, these tight end rookies, uh, can be beneficial. Uh, but if I'm looking at, you know, Hawkinson and fan or, you know, um, I don't know, um, Kyle Rudolph or Mark Andrews or some of that effect, then I'd probably go with Mark Andrews over, over the rookies.
0: Okay. So who is your one sleeper that you're putting your name on?
1: Um, my one sleeper. I, I, you know, from the very beginning, I definitely Ian Thomas. I, I think that uh, the pretty much it, the it's ending. Um, for oh, name escapes me right now. Um,
0: Greg Olson.
1: Yeah, Greg Olson. Thank you. Uh, Olson's Olson is probably pretty much done. Uh, and I think Ian Thomas is going to come on by maybe week four and really blow it up.
0: That's my take.
1: Like you my, t-
0: think alike. You, you took my take. You took my take. All right, my sleeper. So, last, so this year's draft, we got all hot and bothered um, by no offense measurables. That's, I, I
1: can change it. I can go to Noah no
0: offense. No, it's fine. You, you chose no, I, I Ian like Thomas. No He's not my sleeper.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. I, I, I like no offense, but go ahead.
0: I mean the heart wants what the heart wants. I asked you for for your one your one sleeper, and you gave me Ian Thomas, so I'll go with my my sleeper this year. um we got all hot and bothered looking at um no offense uh you know all his measurables at the combine buying his aggregate measurables his his percentiles everything's kind of ninety six percent or higher, and um so, because of it, that his athleticism and his ability as a pass catcher, um, and his size and everything, we, 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 we—I mean, Mike kind of outlined why he thinks Noah Fant might break the mold on rookie tight ends. There was a tight end last year who had all the same measurables, give or take. I mean, not exactly, but um, there—he's in the 95th percentile or better at everything on PlayerProfiler.com. Um, he played in an, one of the most disjointed, jumbled offenses in the league last year—one of the worst. Uh, His head coach got fired. Um, He's on a team without a real tight end one. And uh, he ran with the ones and he got um, two targets last night. The only starter to get more than one target or one of two guys to get more than one target from their starting quarterback last night. I'm talking about Mr. Michael Gusecki tight end for the dolphins. He's free. He's at the end of your draft. He's free tight end real estate. He's tight end 24 right now. And um, the best rank has him at tight end 15 so you can get him at the end of your draft nobody's going to snipe you and he has so much upside because um the offense has no true wide receiver one i mean people are talking about albert wilson as the the, the wide receiver one they're talking about Devonte parker as a wide receiver one they're talking about kenny stills um preston wilson a rookie or you know a young guy who hasn't done anything in the league yet so in that situation somebody's got to emerge and I would look at Mike Kosicki of of anybody to do that because he will be the red zone weapon um in uh, Miami and kind of like Oakland last year he can be that uh looter in a riot sort of thing where there's nobody to pass to but him so the quarterback has no choice but to go to him and and so tight end 24 um I I have him in Scott Fishbowl I'm, I'm kind of trying to keep my eye on him if i punt tight end entirely he's the guy i'm going for and it's mike Gesicki. and if he sucks he sucks you cut him because he's extremely cheap you might not even have to draft him you could get him off the waiver wire uh you could get a couple extra um speculative picks in the draft and see which guys uh pan out cut one of those guys and go get mike Gesicki before week one um it is that is an idea for you that that that's how free he is and i think he's he's gonna fly up draft boards um um if he shows out in a game, you know, one of the second or third preseason games.
1: You know, I I have one but one question for you. Will will Mike Gasicki make me sicky?
0: He will not make you sicky unless you drinky too much sake, Mike Gasaki uh celebrating all his touchdowns. He's he he's my uh my big breakout this year and and um I'm I'm very excited for it. And barring that Dallas Goddard, that's the easy pick. I didn't want to go with the easy pick. Dallas Goddard's tight end, 22, and it sounds like he's going to be taking a lot of targets away from uh, Zach Ertz. Yeah. So that's the easy answer is Dallas Goddard. But I'm going to the hard answer. I'm playing this on hard mode. Mike, Gissicky. So who is who is your? Oh, uh, were you going to say something about Dallas Goddard or Mike Gissicky?
1: Um, no, I I I I just want to talk about Noah Fant. All
0: right, talk about Noah Fant then, sir.
1: Okay, so. One of the reasons why I I was sort of excited about talking about Noah Fant is because uh, I I think that someone like Joe Flacco loves the tight end position and Broncos offense loves to use the tight end position. And Noah Fant is probably going to be the number one tight end uh, on the Denver's uh, depth chart. So when you combine all those factors, uh, Noah Fant will will outpoint, uh, make me sicky by the end of the year.
0: So. Where did you hear that that Joe Flacco loves tight ends? He always throws at the tight ends. Um, so I took a look at that. Um, the here's the Ravens tight end receiving core, um, with Joe Flacco under center. Um, where they ranked in the league in terms of fantasy points produced in 2008, they're 25th. 2009, 20th. Then I'm just gonna go 17th, 11th, 11th, 20th, 18th, 15th, 15th, and 14th. 2011 and 2012 um that was kind of the um the first burst of of uh, uh I believe forget who that was but that was oh that was um Ed Ed Dixon and the first burst of Dennis Pitta. Uh Joe Flacco's only produced two top 10 tight ends in his whole time in the league. Ben Watson came closest in 2017 as tight end 11. It's kind of something that gets repeated but it's kind of a myth. I think it's a Dennis Pitta thing more than a uh more than a, a, Joe Flacco thing. That's, that's, I, I, looked this up, uh, back in May because I was curious about it. And I think that, um, I think that Joe Flacco throwing the tight ends. It's one of those things that we kind of accept as, as, um, uh, 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 just a given in the NFL. Cause everybody quotes that stat and it's one I've seen a lot. And, and what it is is I think is Joe Flacco always has one underneath guy. It was Mason. It was Steve Smith. Um, for a season. Um it was uh Anquan Bolden for Forever. I think he likes that underneath guy, so as easily as it could be Fant, it could be um Deshaun Hamilton, um as the underneath guy with Sutton Sutton going long. So that's my 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 break pumping I have to have with with Noah Fant is the Joe Flacco loving tight ends. I don't think I necessarily agree with that.
1: He's gonna outpoint uh Mike Gasicki.
0: I don't agree with that. They have this. They have the same measurables coming out of college, and one guy's going into his second year, and one guy's going into his first year, and essentially the same situation around him on offense. So I don't think that he's going to be outpointing Mike Kosicki this year. I don't. That, that that's not something that I see happening.
1: <laughs> well, we we need we that needs to be a wager. Absolutely, yes.
0: Okay, sounds good. I look forward to taking whatever it is you'd like to wager from you, in, in uh, at the end of the season. <laughs> You're not kidding. All right, so now we've gone through sleeper and bust. Uh, let's let's talk our top five at the position. Um, the top three are probably going to be the same, if not in different orders for us. Um, it's four and five where we might differ. So, Mike, who are your top? We'll say what are your top three tight ends in order, and then we'll talk four and five.
1: Top three, we have Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz.
0: All right, that's the same order I have them. So a lot of people have Ertz over Kittle, so what made you go Kittle over Ertz?
1: You know, I, I don't, I don't, with Ertz, I don't like the fact that, uh, as we were speaking about Go- Dallas Goethe, Dallas Goethe is coming be a second year, I think, or third. Second, um, yeah. Second. second and uh, I think they're going to be looking to phase sort of Ertz. And, and not, not like a serious situation, but they're going to want Goethe to improve and, and move up. Then the only way to do that is to get him more involved in the offense. So Ertz is still number three. Three tight end, uh, but you have that competition in there with with Gooder and the fact that he's improving and they're going to want to get him more involved. It's, you're you're going to see a reduction value in, in Ertz with Kittle. It, it really uh, outside of maybe Dante Pettis, but Kittle was the is probably the number one receiver in San Francisco. So, what you know? Why would I take away from Kittle, who's who's an absolutely stud? And put him behind Ertz when the volume and the ability is is more directed towards Kittle. So that's why I put uh, Ertz at three and Kittle at two.
0: Okay, that that's the same order that I that I have. But most people have Ertz over over Kittle, so I wanted to see what your reasoning was. And I, I kind of said what my reasoning was before, which is, um, like you said, uh, Goddard's going to be. Uh, taking targets away from Ertz, as are, is uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside um, and Deshaun Jackson are all going to eat into that passing game. And um, for the Niners, they did add guys, but they're they're not quite the threat that um, that those guys pose to to Zach Ertz. Uh, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, they're not a threat to, to um, Kittle's uh, production. So who do you have at four and five?
1: At four, I have Evan Egram, and at five, O.J. Howard.
0: Okay, we have no difference there. So... <laughs> Uh, talk a little bit about Evan Ingram uh, uh, for me.
1: Well, right now, Evan Ingram is, is sort of like in the George Kittle position. There's, there's no competition around him because they're either hurt or suspended. So yep. it's, it's definitely the uh, Evan Ingram show for, the I think, the first four weeks. Uh, and, you know, he, he's, he's a good tight end that is athletic, can catch the ball very well, uh, can do, get you some good di- distant plays. So oh, that's why I have him over Howard. Howard has a little bit, uh, especially around the red zone with Cameron Brait, uh, uh, even though I, uh, their distance between Howard and, and Brait is quite a bit, especially when you introduce uh, touchdowns that go for long distance and receptions and yards. But he does struggle a little bit with battling Brait in the red zone. So that, that's why I gave Ingram the nod over, over Howard is the touchdowns. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, plus I think Ingram is—I mean, they're both out-of-this-world talents, but O.J. Howard's had—actually, they actually, they've both had their injury history, um, but I think um, Evan Ingram has a better chance at leading his team in targets than O.J. Howard does, because O.J. Howard has to contend with Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin, too, very good receivers. Um, Mike Evans is, you know, top-ten guy in the league, and Chris Godwin, you know, maybe top-thirty. Guy in the league in terms of, of wide receiver talent. So um, so those are some good options ahead of him. Whereas Sterling Shepard, we're yet to see Golden Tate's on the downside of his career. And Sterling Shepard's hurt, like you mentioned, and Golden Tate's suspended for the first few games of the season. So um, the only guy really at the beginning of the season to contend with for targets is Saquon Barkley, um, the, who... Is the other option who will probably lead the lead, lead the team in targets? It's either going to be the tight end or the running back, which kind of tells you all you need to know about the Giants' uh, passing game. Because I, I have Ingram over O.J. Howard too, um, just because I think the sheer volume that Evan Ingram's going to get is going to kind of uh, offset the uh, the O.J. Howard um, um, targets, even though I think O.J. Howard is going to be a beast um, if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, he he and Ingram are four and five for me because they both have a chance to to upseat one or two of the top three, and I don't see really any other tight end being able to do that outside of some fluky, you know, like 14 touchdown season that nobody sees coming.
1: I can see Hunter Henry doing that.
0: Like I said, a fluky 14 touchdown season.
1: No, but uh, why 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 can't I mean Philip Rivers loves tight ends in the in the end zone. I'm not saying he's going to catch 14 touchdowns, but I. I really can see Henry finishing third in this year.
0: Philip River, Rivers loves loving tight ends in the end zone is the same thing as Andy Reid doing running back by committee. If you had a Hall of Fame tight end to pass to for pretty much your entire career, you would you would love tight ends in the end zone too. My thing with Hunter Henry is it's a Keenan Allen thing, it's a Mike Williams thing, it's an Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson thing. If Melvin Gordon shows up, if it's a Melvin Gordon thing, there's two many mouths to feed in this offense and um it's not like uh uh philip rivers is the kind of guy that gets you know over 30 touchdowns year in and year out he's done it looks like five times um twice it's in the last three years so there's that but um he you know he's usually in that like 26 to 30 range for for touchdowns so i think that if you cut it up you know keenan allen gets his Ah, uh, Mike Williams breaks out, gets his. Ah, uh, you sprinkle a few around to Tyrell Williams and and uh, I'm sorry, Travis Benjamin and um, you know like Cantrell or some other wide receiver. Um, Austin Eckler's a pass catcher. Melvin Gordon's a pass catcher. There's just not a lot left for Hunter Henry to get a ton of touchdowns. Okay, I disagree. That's, I that's. That's why I mean, think it's I think it's hard to assess his tight end usage because he's had Antonio Gates his whole career, you know? It's kinda like the same with Andy Reid and his running backs. It's hard to assess it because he's had, you know, he's he's been able to write that down in pen for over a decade. Okay. Yeah, that that that's how I feel about that. So all right. So those are our top five, our sleeper and our bust. Mike had uh uh ian thomas as a sleeper completely original thought by him did not copy me at all not a copycat i'm not upset by it at all <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um i had as mine is mike gosicki the guy i can't shut up about um, uh, mike despite not having noah fanta as a sleeper thinks that Noah fans can outscore mike gosicki um, his uh mike's busts um well we didn't talk about busts Oh my gosh, we didn't talk about busts. Who's your bust tight end for this season?
1: Um, my bust tight end for this season? Why not? We'll
0: just go with Vance McDonald. Easy. Why Vance McDonald?
1: Because it's sort of like in the Jared Cook world of tight ends. that's done absolutely nothing but one year. And I just don't see someone that's been a, that's a veteran in the NFL for as long as he's been is all of a sudden going to be this great tight end that can do it every year.
0: Yeah, Um. if you search Vance McDonald Sleeper, you'll find an article I wrote called Your Vance McDonald Sleeper Sucks. Um, he has had um, 11 different injuries that have cost him at least a game. Two of them put him on IR. Um, the thing with these are, is there are recurring injuries. He's been injured with a shoulder three times. His right foot, his right ankle... Um, his right knee have all been injured multiple times. So they're recurring injuries. Um, He's had a disc hernia surgery, and then he missed games because of back spasms. This isn't like Keenan Allen and his, uh, you know, lacerated spleen, sort of the one-off thing. These are chronic conditions that he's dealing with. It's 11 different injuries, two IR trips, and two different injuries in college. He misses 3.8 games a season. So he misses almost 25% of the season. My other thing is... The people who are calling Vance McDonald a sleeper are doing some extremely bad, extremely bad math to get him there. Just absolutely awful math. They're saying, "Oh, there's 200 uh, t- t- targets up for grab um, in in Pittsburgh," ignoring that uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball more than a hundred times more than his average, and 70 times, 75 times more than the the. His second most passes in a season. He threw it 675 times last year. The second most time he's thrown it is 600. And per 16 games, he throws it I think about 531, is I think what my math came out to. So that tells you a lot about how many targets are going to be lost in the offense inherently. So there's not going to be this huge expansion for Vance McDonald that everybody's sleeping uh, or everybody's seeing in their sleeper things. Uh, Vance McDonald had um, 73 targets last year, and the average number of times that Ben Roethlisberger targets his tight end 1 per 16 games is 71 times. So, he has to Vance McDonald has to greatly break the the mold and 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 people like to point to Heath Miller, um, but Heath Miller only got about six targets per game. It's it's not like he's going to have this huge I saw a guy say that he had 100 like 10 target upside. That's absolutely bonkers. There's not a world where Vance McDonald gets 110 targets.
1: You need to you stay know, away from those kind of people on Twitter.
0: They come to me. They come to me. but but there there's also the fact so that the 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 offense is shrinking. The number of mouths to feed are growing despite Antonio Brown leaving because now you've got James Washington in the second year. you've got Dante Moncrief. You got Deontay Johnson. You got Jalen Samuels, which everybody likes to talk about Jesse James and his thirty something targets that have been vacated, and they think that those are going to go directly to Vance McDonald. I don't know, maybe the more dynamic guy that was a tight end in college might be absorbing those targets instead of taking them from uh, James Conner like people have just decided is going to happen. You don't think maybe those uh, Jesse James targets are going to go towards uh, Jalen Samuels? Just the thought, they're not going to Vance McDonald. They could be going elsewhere. And they might not even exist because ben, uh, ben threw it far more than he normally does. So I said all of that, and I didn't even get into my most scathing issue with vance mcdonald as a sleeper
1: that that that, that's kind of scary
0: he can't catch (laughs) he can't catch a football to save his life i i sat down because i was challenged a few years ago to say what exactly it is that about vance mcdonald that bothers me so much so i went back and i watched every single target to vance mcdonald for the 49ers Uh, i think it was a chip kelly season um and my problem with vance mcdonald i figured out what it is if it's zone, he can find the spot in the zone, but he sits down in the zone and he gets almost no yards after the catch. <clears throat> my other my other problem with him is that if it's man and he's not wide open, he alligator arms it because he's bracing for contact. He's a big guy, but he doesn't play like it. He's always afraid that he's about to get hit. That big catch and run that we all remember last year where he put the, uh, the the Buccaneers DB in the dirt uh, put him on IR with uh, with a uh, acute um, stiff arm. He was wide open when he got that ball. So that was easy. So if he can be wide open, he'll catch it. If he can sit down in the zone, he'll catch it. If the ball's contested, he's not going to catch it. I am bitter. I was a I still am a 49ers fan. We had Vance McDonald's for several seasons. And there was a game where in one half, in one half, there were two interceptions that were 100% Vance McDonald's fault. They hit him square in the numbers, and he bobbled it. And it, with his garbage frying pan hands, he bobbled it straight to the Bengals twice. He did this twice and a half. It might have been twice and a quarter. I watched it in person. I swore at Vance McDonald from there on out. So outside of the fact that dude doesn't stay healthy, the targets everybody expects to be there aren't going to be there, he can't catch a football and, and people like to say, oh, well, the quality of the target matters. I watched him bobble two passes into interceptions in the same game that were square on the numbers that he should have caught, that he got both hands on. He got both palms on him. They were in his hands and he dropped them. And he bobbled him to the Bengals. So in 0% of leagues, am I going to own Vance McDonald? I will own him nowhere. And I predict by week nine, most of the fantasy football uh, leagues are going to be there with me in the Vance McDonald ownership. He's not going anywhere this season, and I don't see any reason why he should. And if he does go anywhere, he's going as tight end eight. That's his ceiling. Tight end eight is his ceiling outside of some random 14 touchdown season. So it doesn't make any sense at all to me. So to answer your question, Mike, Vance McDonald is my sleeper or my bust, too.
1: Yeah, and, and just sort of the the to um, clarify what you're saying here. So catch catch percentage is, is kind of important for for NFL receivers because that means they can you know kind of catch the ball. So if your catch percentage is low, that means you can't catch the ball. Um, and looking at Vance McDonald, we're looking his highest percentage. Which um, 69.4% last year he did. So, nice. Yeah, other than that, uh, 58,
0: 53,
1: 25, 42. And then he had one year in 2015 with the 49ers where he caught 65% of his passes. So if you're getting, if you're getting below 70%, then you're not doing a good job catching the ball. And he's far below 70%.
0: Yeah, that's he can't he he can't catch and people want to say oh you know quality of targets which I will concede quality of targets were not great in in San Francisco for most of those years because the quarterbacks were bad I mean he was having like Blaine Gabbert throw to him um um but I you can't bobble passes like that and 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 try to t- you you can't have a player bobble passes like that to the other team and then try to talk to me about quality of targets. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, the disconnect is between the, the, the ball and the player. It's not between the, uh, the guy, the quarterback and the ball. So that's kind of my feelings about Vance.
1: Well, yeah. And also you, you have to look at other players too. What are, how are the other players are doing? So, I mean, obviously quality of pass is, is, is something that you want to incorporate, while you're looking at someone, because if, if the quarterbacks are just chucking the ball over the guy's head, then obviously it's not going to be a catch. But these are NFL players. So the, the, the percentage of that of quality of catch is, I, I don't think, um, indicative of whether a guy can catch the ball or not. It plays a part, but it doesn't play a heavy part. So then you can say, OK, well, let's let's look at these other players um, that have the same quarterback. So, someone like, and this is going back to 2015, where uh, he had such a great year. Vance McDonald had such a great year with the 49ers. And you're looking at someone like Jared Hain. I don't even know if you remember that guy. Um, he caught 85% of the passes. Sean Drone caught 78% of the passes. So, you know, looking at these these players, you're saying, okay, well, if Sean Drone can catch 78 and Jared Hain can catch 85, then what's going on with, you know, uh, Vance McDonald?
0: I can tell you what's going on with Vance McDonald. He sucks. He can't
1: catch the ball.
0: He stinks. <laughs> and, and he, okay, so even if Vance McDonald was a sleeper, he wa- he did the thing that one or two guys do every year. Which is somebody has a sleeper, and then somebody else has him as a sleeper. So the first person has to move him up around, and then the second guy has to move him up around, and then they have to keep moving him up around. And now Vance McDonald's is the number eight tight end. When he was going as the 13th or 14th tight end, sure, take a shot. What's the worst thing that could happen? He he fumbles the ball into the opposing team's hands again when he's trying to catch it. Um, that's the worst that can happen. But now he's tight end eight. He's I mean, his ceiling is what, tight end six? So he's going at a two-pick value. Yeah, no thank you. No thank you on that Vance McDonald pick. He's in that range of guys that could end anywhere from six to 16, and I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, that's, you know, along with Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, David Njoku. So hands-off. Hands-off for me for Vance, which is good because um, his hands are frying pans, and I, I don't feel like touching those, so... Alright, so I think we've buttoned up tight ends, Mike. Unless there's something else, any other tight end that you really want to talk about. A little more Noah Fant.
1: I like Noah Fant. Noah Fant's gonna outpoint Mike Gesicki, Guaranteed lock it. It's locked.
0: Alright. Well, you're wrong, so there is that. I mean, I, I don't want to I really don't want to tell you in all the ways that you're wrong. So I'll just set, leave it at that you're wrong. So we're, we're we'll, going to
1: have to figure out a point how how that point percentage is, is work, worked out so that we're I'm going to collect on my bet.
0: So when Mike Gosicki scores more points than Noah Fant, you have to do all the, the garbage to uh, record the podcast and edit the podcast and post the podcast and figure out why the podcast isn't showing up on iTunes anymore.
1: Now it's now on i It's not showing up on
0: iTunes. Either. <laughs> yeah, we're having some serious problems. Uh, We've got some serious day ones going on right now. Who've had their had it in their RSS feed. I'm gonna figure it out uh, in the next few days. But yeah, we're not on iTunes anywhere. So with that, um, thanks for listening. If you were able to figure out how to get out to how us, because there. <laughs> uh, there's an issue with this. I, I think it has to do with the server migration. We're not showing up on iTunes. We're not. The newest episodes aren't showing up on iTunes. They're not showing up on Spotify at all. We'll get it fixed. Uh, Just go to footballabsurdity.com. You'll get everything you need there for the podcast. Don't you worry about it. Uh, You can check us out on Patreon where you can help support the podcast, help support beer sheets, uh, keep the lights on, as they like to say. Um, Seven bucks gets you a draft kit and access to all the locked uh, uh, items on the website. (laughs) Well, did you just lock it? We're trying oh, yeah. to, un- I, 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 every time you say Mike, lock, I'm going to make a not- Mike, noise now. They, they can't get to it. You need to unlock it. I was, I, was, I you need, I need you to unlock it. It's oh, locked. Okay. Thank you. Unlock. Thank you. God, I'm trying to tell these people that it'll be unlocked and you're locking it on them. That's bad customer <laughs> service. Uh, <laughs> so just to reiterate, if you want more than just a draft kit, you can go to draft.com promo code absurdity, uh, register for 10 bucks. You get a free $3 token into a draft. Um, I drafted during the podcast. I told you how easy it was. You didn't even know I did it. Um, you have free $3 entry token with deposit. You'll also unlock everything on the site, and we'll get you a copy of that draft kit. Just email us at footballabsurdity at gmail.com. We'll send you over that draft kit. So uh, for uh, Mike, I am Jeff. We are done with our position previews. Next week we'll be back. Evan should be back, and I think we're going to talk Mike's uh, strength of schedule, which is his article in which magazine, Mike?
1: Strength of Schedule is in, um, yeah, that magazine. No. that that it's,
0: magazine. On, it's on in draft Fans.
1: book, get draft book, uh, fantasy football draft book. Strength of Schedule, you'll you'll be able to read how I predicted that uh, Tyreek Hill was going to play the full season, and yeah. I'll, I'll also check out my draft with uh, people like Michael Fabiana.
0: Yeah, you can check that all out in the, the fantasy football draft book. I believe it's blue and has tyrell or uh, mike williams on the cover am i correct in that uh hopkins oh it has hopkins it has hopkins i remember it was a guy with dreads <laughs> and i took a shot in the dark so with uh nuke hopkins on the cover it's dark blue so uh for mike i'm jeff thanks for listening everybody position previews are done we're gonna talk strength and schedule and then we'll start talking about the season it's coming on up you excited mike i, I will be
1: excited in three weeks
0: in three weeks. Alright, sounds good. Take care everybody. Have a good one.
1: Bye. Maybe we're just trying too hard when really it's closer than it is too far. Try deep and I'm tired.